0: Life Happens happens. with Pinelo Mutine. Pinelo Mutine on On
1: SAFM. Thank you so much for staying with us. It's six minutes after two o'clock and uh, not so long ago, we heard the Justice and Correctional Services Minister, Ronald Lamola, make the long overdue, what he calls long overdue. These were his words announcement around releasing low risk prisoners. That's the term they used um, while we are experiencing COVID-19 pandemic and this being for him a good idea. And the question I think on everybody's lips at that moment was, well, is it a good idea? And what does low risk prisoner mean? And I, I started thinking about it because initially, before he spoke, I, I was quite, I got quite nervous. I mean, the number was quite uh, large. Nineteen thousand low risk uh, inmates would be released from prison, and I thought to myself, okay, what, what is low risk? They were very quick in responding to our question, and they gave us uh, a guideline of sorts. They've got, you know, you know, somebody who didn't murder, um, someone who is up for parole, and someone who has not... Yeah, I think the criteria largely was murder. There's there's a list of the, the criteria, but primarily somebody who's, who is who's not murdered and somebody who also was up for parole. And in fact, I think on their last lap of uh, they were just about to leave prison. And I thought to myself, interesting how we frame the type of prisoner or what we would call to be a citizen that is low risk. Okay, so... If I had to ask a mother of a drug addict if a drug lord is somebody they would deem to be low risk, would the answer be the same as what the Correctional Services Department call low risk? Because when I did ask them about the drug lord, in fact, the drug lord qualifies to be released. That got me chills down my spine. So let's have the conversation about really what do you think needs to happen are we ready to release the 19000 reasons by the way put uh, forward by the minister were quite credible he he's stating a couple of things he's stating the fact that number 1 as much as we want to believe it prisoners are actually not in they don't they don't exist in silos they don't exist in isolation the people who go in and out of prison who pose so the prison itself is actually part of society. So if we get this thing, rage in a prison, be rest assured our communities are going to be affected. So you and I may be sitting in our fancy homes and deciding, you know, I'm not going to be a part of this conversation. It doesn't affect me. Well, it does actually, because we you and I don't know how many times we interact with people who go in and out of prison. You don't know that people go visiting their family members in prison. That had to stop. Okay. But they're prison warders who go home every single day. They are at risk. Their family members are at risk. You and I meet their family members when we go out. So the cycle actually, it's it's not as secluded as you think it is. That's one of the reasons that he posed. He also posed other things around mental health for people in prison who are not getting what is necessarily the kind of support that he thinks is important just because... They stopped visitors coming in. So the family member that would come in and talk to that person no longer comes in. What that means for that prison and that depression level and how it affects the ecosystem in prison and whether that's good for our society or not. It's it's a very interesting conversation. I want you to be a part of this conversation. I certainly don't think it's black and white. Uh, I think our gut reaction is to make it a black and white, a yes or a no conversation. I don't think it is. I think it's far more complex. So let's have the conversation. The lines are open. 891 Your thoughts around the 19,000 low risk in- inmates who are about to come out of prison because of what we are now currently facing. And we all know, right, that uh, prisons are overcrowded and so on. So that's not new information. That has been happening, whether there was pandemic or not pandemic. We've had that crisis. So it's lots of things to consider. I want us to have an in-depth conversation, a thoughtful conversation around actually what all of this means to all of us. See, the Shabalala is a former prisoner and a founder of a A company called Quirky30, it's a tech company and he basically teaches people how to code. He's in conversation with me alongside uh, Golden Miles Boodoo. I'm sure many of you know that name and he's a regular listener here and always love his contribution. Um, It's a Prisoner Organization for Human Rights and Taryn Johannes, who is a Western Cape Action Area Manager at NICRO. That's the National Institute for Crime Prevention. I want you to thank all of you for for being a part of this conversation. Welcome to the show.
0: Um, well, uh, thank you so much, Prumella, Um And thank you for my um, uh, and also good afternoon now to SAFM listeners.
1: Good afternoon. Let me start with you, Sile. Um, essentially, and I know Miles Boudou also falls in this category, but I don't know how recently you are a prisoner. Can we start with you and ask you, um, you're a former prisoner. When, when did you leave prison?
0: I was released on the 24th of February, 2018. So I spent 11 years in total in prison.
1: 11 years in prison. Are you comfortable discussing why you went into prison?
0: Yes, I was in prison for armed robbery. So it was a business robbery um, here in the Western Cape, here in Cape Town.
1: And were you just unlucky on that day, or you know, in other <laughs> words, in other words, had you not been caught, you would still be doing the same thing? Had you been fortunate before and gotten away with the robberies?
0: Um, yes, I have been fortunate before, and uh, unfortunately, on that day, it was kind of like a bad luck.
1: So, if we had to call it a business, you were doing quite well.
0: Actually, that's one of the reasons why I always tell people that if you're looking for best entrepreneurs, go source them in prison because there's three three qualities that make up a successful entrepreneur. One, um, if you want to become a successful entrepreneur, you have to know how to hustle. And in prison, we have the best hustlers. Two, you must have the courage to take risks. And in prison, we have the best risk takers. Three, you must know how to network and in prison we have the best network it's just that they choose the wrong product in life which is crime so these are the three qualities that every successful entrepreneur should possess and the people involved in crime they possess these qualities naturally
1: so then I'm sure you then will be willing to answer the question where did it go wrong on that day so were you able to look at what you would deem as a business term a business mistake
0: Definitely, mm-hmm. because I always use all of my experiences now as um, a lesson, you know, because as an entrepreneur currently, um, I, I look at what is it that I can possibly achieve and possibly do without no limitations or reconditioning. Um, it means that I take every risk um, uh, for, the, for the betterment of other people. So I've changed, you know, or I've channeled all of that energy today into something constructive and positive.
1: So where did it go wrong on that day?
0: Uh, one of my business partners, uh, actually one of my co me. Um, yes. um, <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay,
1: you can call him a business partner. <laughs> <It's> oh, <okay. laughs>
0: one, of, one of my one of my co-achos actually yes. um, lost sight of the owner of the business and the owner grabbed the barrel uh, of the firearm and then when they when when the owner was trying to take away the firearm from from him that's where now he pulled back when he pulled it back he also pulled the trigger with so in other words he so a gunshot alerted the bypassers outside because it it was a robbery happening in a bottle store in the main road
1: okay so he moved his eyes from the prize at that time. Ye- yeah interesting well, it's interesting um, to to look at it that way. Uh, I'm not making light of it, by the way. I'm just trying to to see. We've got to see it from the perspective of the of the criminal. If if you are able to make that assessment, Cecile, and you know that in fact, if you had to go back into that business, you would do well because you've assessed the whole thing. You are no, you know where the the blind spot were. It was profitable. You could do it again and do it very well. Why, why have you chosen a different route? You know, um, if you
0: survive a death twice, you know, prison was kind of like an opportunity for me to go and reflect, you know, because, you know, here outside we live on survivor mode. We ignore time to ourselves. So prison was kind of like a moment for me to go and reflect on the life that I was living and what kind of a life do I want to live moving forward. In spite of the fact that even though that that change never come instantly, because when I went in prison, you know, I joined the 26 gangs, Mm. I became the big time smuggler you know, uh, for four years, I in trial in Cosmo. I never ate prison food. I ate all the KFCs and the Nandos. I had everything figured out from production to supply chain, product, and market. And the business was booming. But everything changed for me when I got sentenced. And then I was moved to a maximum security prison called Brantley. And in Brantley, I was placed in one of the notorious sections called Afghanistan, which was the um, uh, back in those days, known as section (laughs) four. And I realized that the guys that possess that, that are part of this community, they possess such a very high level of IQ. A level of IQ that you can never find in any of the psychology books.
2: Mm.
0: And the, this is the reason why they behave the way that they behave. And also I realized that, you know, you know it's not that people don't want don't to change. They do. But it's because now no one has ever challenged them. No one has ever told them differently about themselves. You know, unfortunately, the truth of the fact, you know, needs to be out there that in prison, they don't have effective rehabilitation programs to rehabilitate offenders. It's the reason why reoffending is estimated at, at over 80% in South Africa.
1: See, I am fascinated by your analysis because I'm thinking, okay, you were moved to what you're saying was maximum prison when yes. you were sentenced. And then you you reflect on the people in that space as people with a very high IQ.
3: Yes.
1: I, I would dare say that I think you're pretty smart yourself. So you are with your peers. So what's the problem? You know,
0: let me let me give you just a quick, some simple analogy very quickly. Um, when you... When you are in prison, you learn a different type of psychology, as I've said earlier. Mm. Uh, the type of psychology that I'm referring to, one, is that if I have a problem with you, Brumellum, there's no way that I can take your name and put it to the next transfer list to another prison. Because I'm a prisoner, not a, not a prison official. Meaning that for the next five or ten years that I'll be serving time here with you, I'll still be challenged by you. But the gift in prison is never about me trying to fix you. It's about me fixing me. Let me bring this into perspective quickly. If you wake up every morning, you go to your bathroom and stand in front of the mirror. Who do you see there in the mirror? You see yourself. If there is a boy or a pacy or a scratch somewhere in your face, where do you touch? Do you touch the mirror or do you touch you? So don't fix the mirror. Fix you. Second analogy. People don't understand that we feed into the intellect of prisoners or criminals. How? Let me, again, give you a simple analogy. Let's assume you just bought a house. You're happy, you, you, you have a new home. I come in and break into your house. What do you do? You will call the cops and then secure the house, putting on bagler bars. But what you don't know is that indirectly, you are sending me back to my drawing board to go and figure out how do I break into a house with sparkler bars, meaning that I have task number two. Once I have my task number two figured out, I come in and expose your weaknesses. Then you go on and put on beams, motion sensors, and alarm systems. For me, that's task number three. It's like every preventive system you put in place stimulates me to think innovatively, creatively even more. Once I have my task number three figured out, I come in and expose your weaknesses. Then guess what? You start now hiring an response team. For me, that's task number four. Because I have to figure out how many times does these guys patrol that vicinity or area. And also... If it happens that an alarm system goes off, what is their response time? If they take five minutes to get to your house, it means I have four minutes. This is level of innovation and creativity that you'll find amongst criminals. And that's one of the reasons, and that's one of the things that really inspired the kind of work that I started by teaching also prisoners how to code. Because I believe that if we can equip them with the right skills, skills of the future, they'll be able now to build future industries that would... Bought globally or even went on to Silicon Valley. It's about opportunity, using what they already have and plug it into a twenty second century opportunity.
1: Fascinating conversation. Listen, you can join in this conversation. I'm in conversation with a former prisoner. It's a bigger conversation, but that's where we had to start it with what we would call, I suppose, a case study of sorts. And it's really been fascinating insights. 0891-104-207. call in. I want your take. We're about to release nineteen thousand prisoners and how does that make you feel
3: Here, there... And everywhere SAFM, (laughs) one oh five point six FM in Tata.
1: Thanks for staying with us. So this is inspired by Justice and Correctional Services Minister Ronald Amola making the announcement not so long ago that 19,000 low-risk inmates would be released from prison. And I, my first reaction was, I mean, I I was nervous. I was nervous. What does this mean? Who is low-risk? And so on. How do we define as a society what is low-risk? And it became a little bit technical. But there were certain things, grey areas, that made me feel a little bit uneasy about how do we define criminology. Who who is a criminal? criminal that we should be afraid of? And what does it mean when we now open the gates of prison? So I asked you to be a part of this conversation because I really didn't get the sense that it's as simple as just don't or do. It's a far more complex conversation, and I'm loving where we've gone with it. Um, my guest is Sihle Shabalala, former prisoner, and he has started a company called Quirky30 Tech. Um, and basically, he teaches people how to code. He's been in prison, and he was just giving us his account of the mindset of what he reflects as a prisoner golden miles budu thank you so much for joining this conversation your take on the fact that we are releasing nineteen thousand prisoners i mean i i'm sure you were listening to see there uh, your take on quickly on what you heard from see
0: well uh my,
2: my imprisonment encounter was not as colorful as
1: <laughs> is it uh, is it miles let me quickly ask you this is it colorful, or is it the, the the manner in which he chooses to see it?
2: well his explanation give me uh, the entire the, the impression of uh, you must write a book so that I yes start no it sounds like book.
1: it sounds like it sounds like we can have a movie, yes, you're right
2: yeah, and convert it into a movie yeah, yes yeah. yeah, but from where I'm sitting, as a veteran ex offender that was released in nineteen ninety one on the thirteenth of July. <laughs> I will always, for as long as I'm alive and the Department of Correctional Services hasn't changed focus, I will always talk about the pain, Mm. the misery and the sorrow this department brought post-1994 after it was inherited from an apartheid prison department. Mm. I will always talk about that pain, not only to me as an individual, because I'm used to pain. That is why I can absorb their pain. Uh I'm talking about the pain on sentenced and unsentenced prisoners, those even who stood there for crimes they've never committed. Uh Those who stood there for crimes they've committed, but you just cannot compare the sentence and the crime allegedly committed. Social justice-loving people, including the victims of crime and violence, and and, and, and law-abiding citizens, the pain this department has brought since the day of uh, where we come from. Because those days we knew that, look, are are for a banditti, mm. you know. But then they came and told us that this is a rehabilitation center where criminal behavior is going to be corrected. It has not yet started. Yeah, that's
1: and, exactly and, the question. That's exactly the question. Taryn Johannes is a Western Cape Action Area Manager at NICRO National <laughs> Institute for Crime Prevention. In your experience, Taryn, because that, I think, for me is the essence of why we have prisons in the first place. Are there spaces we're calling, this is the term we use, right? Correctional services. Is a prison a correctional service?
4: Good afternoon to you and to everyone listening. Thank you so much for this opportunity and this platform. I'm really enjoying this conversation as I'm listening. Um, But, you know, just to answer your question, with regards to the rehabilitation process itself, You know, there's a lot of facets one needs to take into account. Mm. It's, it's, you know, the individual themselves, but not just that individual, but also their families and the community as a whole. Are we ready? And and are these systems and processes in place for that? I know, look, from from my side, I'm speaking from an organization, a non-profitable organization that works specifically with individuals in conflict with the law. So I can't necessarily speak for the Department of Correctional Services per se, but from our experience in working within the different facilities, there, there are certain challenges that are faced, you know, and it stems from just the, the capacity, finding, um, you know, having infrastructures within the prison systems as well, which are a bit challenging because, you know, we, we are faced with, with overcrowding in our prisons at this moment, mm. So, um, you know, from our side and from the standpoint of NICRO, when it comes to rehabilitation and when it comes to, to assisting and correcting behavior, the first, the first stance is always that individual needing to be prepared and needing to ascertain, are you taking responsibility? You know, are you ready to make amends and to, to actually make the changes? To, to better yourself.
1: Do we facilitate that though, Taryn? Because the point yeah. of the matter is this. Someone who yeah. ended up there mm-hmm. may not have had the opportunity and, and I'm hearing them differently. I'm hearing Miles differently and I'm also hearing Sihle differently from very different lenses, but I'm also hearing that somehow society doesn't like taking responsibility for our role in getting that person in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it's, it's it's as we
4: said, it's Multifaceted. There's so many things to take into account. Um, you know, also with regards to, as I was saying about just rehabilitation, if we look at wow. even just restorative justice principles, those principles specifically don't speak to just working with that individual, that offender in isolation, but working with that individual in collaboration with the family, mm-hmm. with the community. Mm-hmm. And that is where we do, I agree with you, in terms of. We as a society also need to understand our part in this, but also it's so sensitive because mm. we need to also gauge with
1: the community in mm. terms of are we ready for that? You know, are those individuals ready? Yeah. Let, let me um, quickly take a call because mm. I want to go to the news and then come back. Tobega, you're calling from Durban. Thank you so much for calling. Good afternoon. Afternoon, Pemela. I'm actually calling from
5: Durban. Yeah. Um, my parents work for Correctional Services. Mm. And my mother's a teacher, so I can attach to uh, prison reform, basically prisoners mm. like like changing their lives. Mm. However, mm. those two prisoners, um, ex-prisoners, can tell you that um, when mm. you are due for parole, you are able to now walk around the the prison terrain and do various jobs, odd jobs like plumbing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Pemelo, um, one of the inmates, right, they did here in Westville, is mm. that I'm blind, right? Mm-hmm. So I was talking to someone on the phone, not realizing that they're in during the lights or not, and they took my number by default because I was like giving my person my number. Mm. And then at night, Pamela, every single day, I get phone calls of like a person having sex with me over the phone. Good Lord. And Pamela, I can't not answer my phone because I'm blind. I can't see. Oh. But... These people, and I oh my god, they will call you and say I'm doing this now and I'm doing that. I get so traumatized. I take my SIM card, my battery out, and I have to, I wait for an, uh, an hour, put it back on the personal phone. They have to do an investigation only to find that okay, the person did sneak in a phone in the prison, but now he's given my phone to multiple prisoners. Oh wow! And now if these are the people that are going to be released. And if this person is so like eager to go and have sex outside, what is going to happen? Like I, I am tormented. I am tormented because they phone at, at night primarily, I'm doing that. You know, you hang up and this person like doesn't care that you are saying, Leave me alone. You hang up, they'll they persist. They persist. And if these people are gonna go outside, I'm not saying these people because I yes, know yes, of yes, prisoners. So, yeah. I know of prisoners that have transformed. I there are some some of them are even lecturers today. But there's that odd, the ones that are due for parole, the ones that are, like, cause the ones that are due for parole are the ones that are able to do odd jobs outside, that leave the prison. And now, if they can phone me and direct, tell me you don't understand what I go through. I actually have to give other people, say, listen, listen, and the people will laugh, but I have to face this, because I can't not answer my phone, and I can't change my number, because my number
1: is attached to so many things. Sure. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your experience, Tabaga there in Durban. We'll continue on this vein. Um, we will take these calls as well. I see your calls. I promise you I'll take them 891 Let me quickly go to Utzilio Sagu for the latest in headlines, and I'll be back with more.
3: Here, there, and everywhere. S-A-F-M. S-A-F-M. SAFM. 106.2 FM. In Zanin.
1: Hi, Pamelo. This was a great story about NET florist. I wish that SAFM could do more stories where we get to listen to real-life case studies and learn from the best when it comes to how experienced, successful business owners are doing it out there. Thank you.
2: Uh, good afternoon, Pimelo. Uh, I mean, Sikhe is just
1: brilliant.
0: You can tell the guy is intelligent. He he is smart, and 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 I love the fact that he manages to turn,
2: you know, the situation where he found himself in into a positive. He
0: is. I just want to say big up to him, man. He is brilliant. He's smart. He's very clever. I love his fluency in English. Uh, uh, to even think that the man was in prison uh, 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 for 11 years or so—it's—it's
2: it's just amazing. So big up to him. Uh, it's Bongani in Puluguan. Thank you. Good afternoon, Sister Melo. Good afternoon, to your guest. Yo, I am thrilled. I am fascinated by your guest. The way he's speaking, yo, is—I am not a criminal, but he has helped me a lot, a lot. When it comes to those stages that he was talking about, that stages that he was passing stage one, passing stage two, passing stage three, yo, 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 yo. I think uh, the government must do something to empower those guys. They must empower them in a good way, like he's saying. You see, we need thieves to catch thieves. Definitely, because the skill that this this guys possess, uh, not an ordinary person can catch a thief. Thank you very much. Peter, Western Cape. Hi, this is Gerrit in the Northern Cape. Miles, have you ever taught or teach your customers, the prisoners, not to go to jail? Now you are moaning and groaning about overcrowded prisons. Teach them not to do the crime. Otherwise, they will pay the price.
1: Wow. What, my word. The reflections are really interesting. OK, I'll open the lines 0891 Erfan, you're calling from Cape Town. Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon to you, Pamela. How are you doing?
1: I'm well. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. I'm
3: good. I'm good, yes. I must say, I'm an avid listener of your show. Oh, thank um you. I just uh, started listening on my way back from work. Yeah. I must say, that guy is a genius. He needs an honorary doctorate. <laughs> he's so well-knowledged um, and that. Um, I don't know. I didn't pick up your show earlier, <laughs> yeah. but what's he doing with himself now that he's out on parole? <laughs>
1: He's, no, he's not even on a parole. I mean, he's running a full-fledged business, a tech business, and it's doing quite well. We'll get to it. I mean, we were just at least starting big to scratch the surface. Big yeah. up to him, yeah. you totally inspired
3: me in the yeah. few minutes that I listened it's, to your show. Yeah.
1: Isn't that interesting? That fun thing. Thank you so much. Uh, Velsani, you're on the road. Good afternoon.
3: Hi, Pamela. How are you? I'm
1: well, thank you.
3: I'm okay. Uh, I must say I'm I'm quite inspired by the guy. What's his name? Sisha, I think. Sisha, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. his his whole analogy of, mm. of of just how the prison system works and and all of that, yeah. but I just want to raise a few things yeah. first of all, I think a lot of what he said um speaks it, it, it says a lot about us as a society and our inability to actually channel mm. the the intelligence and the energy of people that are young mm. as they grow, mm. because you'll find that a lot of people that are into serious crimes like 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 the like the analogy that he put uh, he put through yeah. It's some level of intelligence, but it's misguided.
1: Yeah, that's what he's saying. Essentially, exactly. he's saying exactly that.
3: Exactly. So I think I think it I think it it, it it says a lot about how we need to introspect in the way we view our kids as they as they grow up to say, what are they gifted in, um, and how can we channel that passion and energy and all of that in the
2: right direction.
1: But is that, Velisani, thank you so much for yes. your take on that. Miles, do you want to respond to the that voice note?
2: Yes. Uh, look. Um, I'm told that I must teach our members not to go to prison. Yes. You see, we have over time, it took us a long time, but now I'm very comfortable to talk about it that we have separated the criminals from the prisoners. You see, a prisoner is somebody that you can account ah, for.
1: I hear you. I hear you.
2: He's there, he's got a communal warrant of arrest, he's got a file. And so criminals are outside here and they are running a mock. I Black collar, gray collar, blue collar, common law political prisoners. And these. These are the criminals that have brought us where we are today. <laughs> but that is not really what I wanted to say. I would also want to agree with the uh, case that there is no such thing as a rehabilitation in our prisons because to rehabilitate and correct that uh, criminal behavior, uh, uh, you need to invest into education, training, skills development. Then you get to the product called rehabilitation and then you reintegrate that product. product and you make sure that the product doesn't get lost in the system by monitoring it, evaluating it, and it needs to be enforcing that product.
1: Miles, listen, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm rushing. I'm so sorry. I mean, time has just gone by so quickly. Miles, I'm going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much for your take. Taryn, what we haven't discussed is the victim. Mm-hmm. The role yeah. in all of this conversation, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid because I'm in my stomach here. We are glorifying sea Right. And he's pointed <laughs> out some really interesting things. And I'm sitting here thinking, what a cool guy. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I'm going to ask him after our conversation with you, how do we not making him into a hero? Because just because he changed his mind about where he's going to focus his energies, it doesn't mean that people like him have decided to change their practice. Right. In other words, they have still stuck in that criminal kind of ecosystem as brilliant as they are. And I can tell you now, if I grew up in a township and he was up the road from me and he was a criminal, he'd be my hero. He'd be my hero for sure because listen yeah. to him. He's charismatic. He's clear. He's intelligent. He's all of that. And besides, he also brings the opportunities to my community. We may not like what opportunities he brings, but he there's an economy he's running, and I mm-hmm. look at that and I think, wow. So That's in con- in context of all of that, how do we bring the victim into this conversation? Mm-hmm. I think you, you
4: really just hit the nail on the head. And, and even earlier on when Claire was speaking, um, you know, it's it's, it's, such a, it's such a, as I said, fascinating and multifaceted uh, situation that we find ourselves in. Um, this is a field that is, uh, you know, very specialized in itself. You know, and that's something we must always remember because it takes a lot to understand and really work with and grasp. The, the criminal thinking element and and where does it stem from, and how does it get to the point uh, where it does but I, I also just want to say to you that um, when it comes to to the victim and when it comes to the services and and interventions that are ended, I definitely want to want to acknowledge that and that 's why I spoke earlier on about the restorative justice principles that it doesn 't just work with one with the with the offender it works with the victim as well, and we 've got to work with that victim to. Help them process. Remember that that in itself takes a lot of time. They too are working through certain, certain issues. So it's, it's never, it, it shouldn't be, let me rather say, for effectiveness. It shouldn't just be working in isolation. We've got to work together. Um, so there's victim offender mediations, there's victim offender dialogues that I am, am aware of happens in, in some correctional facilities and happens within our community corrections as well you know, um, and, and in certain organizations that, that work within the criminal justice um, sector. So the the victim um, is, is definitely an element that we shouldn't turn a blind eye to. And, you know, I hear you saying that we, we sing praises and it's very exciting, <sighs> if I can say it that way, to kind of hear the, the intellect that come from, from this. But this is what makes this area of work so interesting is because there is an element of intellectual um intelligence that comes with the the criminal mindset um and that is something you know we shouldn't take take for granted um but it takes it takes that individual i i believe it's person to person case to case we can't generalize we can't paint everyone with the same brush everybody's case is different in situations so with c well done to him. He took that initiative and he made it work for him. He, he made it right, you know? Yeah. Miles as well. Um, but at the end of the day, um, not everybody's the same. Yep. So we've got to work with those that are willing to want to make the
1: change. Taryn, Johannes, thank you so much. She is from the Western Cape Acting Area Manager at Necro National Institute for Crime Prevention. See, here we're back with you. As you can hear, I mean, you are the star of the show. It, it gives me anxiety that you are the star of the show because, as I said, one has to then look at you in context of the fact that if you are in that community and you are the only star in the community how do i not want to be like you if your choice of entrepreneurship is of a criminal nature
0: um thank you so much you know to 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 everyone and with regard now the comments and i think everything starts with choices that we make every day um when i went in prison i i stopped blaming um, other people for all my errors in life. And I started, you know, growing from that because I started taking responsibility and being accountable. And that helped in terms of my change process. And I realized that, yes, I'm a very powerful human being capable of doing the extraordinary, meaning that with the choices that I make today, that, that will determine how my end destination would look like in future. You know, so my life was never controlled by fate. Just because I'm born in under circumstances in, in in circumstances that now are not conducive enough now to be able now to help someone now to strive. Because I mean, we can never ignore the fact that we do have problems in black and coloured townships in South Africa. We do have problems, you know. But I'm one champion also that also believes that prevention is better than cure, because once now you will start to think about intervention when someone enters correctional institutions, then it's a big problem. Because as I said that we were too quick maybe to change from prison to correction, you know, when we asserted the new democratic dispensation because prisons are still prisons mm-hmm. and not correctional facilities or institutions, you know, because even prison waters themselves are still in that mindset of prison mentality, not the correctional mentality, which is required for today. And also, secondly, I mean, I'm one person that also now feel such a very huge empathy for my victims. But I realize that if I'm going to stuck in that hole mm-hmm. and start thinking about all the people that I've had in my life, it means that I'm going to be stuck there. You know, yes, they were stepping stones towards my own journey towards my own change today, but uh, I still have so much remorse, and I still feel uh, that I owe them an apology. But uh, I would never meet them. Do they but, know? Uh, Sorry sister, to,
1: to rush you. Do they know that you feel remorse? Have you tried to reach out? Is that a, does that opportunity present itself?
0: Nope, nope. I've never tried to be honest to reach out because you can never go back to your past victim that you've wronged, especially now uh, that the crime has already passed on and you were trialed and yes. sentenced for it.
1: Yeah, I, yes. does, I, listen, I'm really asking from a point of ignorance. That, does the opportunity present itself when you go through parole and all of that? Can you request to reach out to them? Is that, is that possible at all? Yes,
0: yes, yes, you can. You can. Even while you are still in prison, you can.
1: And, and, and you've never felt the need to do that with all the reflection that you've done?
0: Nope, nope. Wow. I've never. And and,
1: and why is that?
0: Um, the focus, you know, for me at that time was my personal journey, you know. And, um, you know, through everything that I've been through, through everything that I've strived for, through everything that I've done while I was still in correctional institutions, you know, I was always eager. To be able now to be released and be able now to meet the victim you know um but you know unfortunately for me that's impossible as i've said earlier because also the victim of my crime was a german citizen you know um immediately the 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 owner was 70 year old at the time of the incident and at the time that i was sentenced he was like turning 73 and he could not even testify at court he said that the court must just decide what to do you know as long as that now he got his belongings back you know
1: you're but a smart in- man I'm gonna push you a little bit see you are the star but you're a smart man and you know there are ways to get hold of people I don't doesn't matter which part of the world they're in you can drop an email you can do Facebook inbox you know what to do I'm asking if this is not that little thing that still hangs on your head does that not, does it? It does
0: very much. Yeah,
1: it does. Very Listen, much. it was fascinating talking to you. Really appreciate your insights and thank you for your honesty. And I thank you for your story. See, Balala, who is a former prisoner. We used him as a case study in light of the announcement by the Justice and Correctional Services Minister, Ronald Lamola, who is about to release 19,000 prisoners and we were asking the question, well, how does it make all of us feel? And who are these people? Well, that conversation will be available as a podcast.